Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, it is so good to uh, see all of you here and that we do, as Jeremiah said, get to gather together. And those of you who get to join us online, we're so glad that um, we can do both, whatever most meets uh, your circumstances or situation. And, um, you know, we call this season leading up to Christmas Advent. We're waiting for the advent of something. This newborn king is going to soon come to rescue us, you know? And so we wait and we anticipate, and now this coming week, it all starts to happen. You know, there'll be food and fun and family and friends and presents and all that good stuff that just sort of takes the celebration over the top. And I'm looking forward to all of those things for sure, and I hope you get to enjoy some of them too. But I wanted to point out something you might not have thought about yet, or then again, maybe some of you, it's all you can think about. You know what else Christmas is ripe for? Disappointment. You ever had that at Christmas time? Yeah. And it could be something fairly trivial in the big picture, like presents. You ever been disappointed with a Christmas present? Or that you didn't get the one you knew that was what was in the box? Or maybe you've been disappointed giving a Christmas present and they like open it up and it's a total non-event. And you're like, what? I was all stoked for this, right? Disappointment. I did a little Google search of the worst Christmas presents ever, and just to be honest, I can't share most of them with you because they're not safe for work, including my work. Uh, but, um, but some of them I brought along just to show you how disappointing a present can be in case you've never had that experience. You can sort of vicariously enjoy it right now, okay? So here's the first one. It's a little bit of a tamer start, uh, but the guy actually opens the exact shirt that he has on. <laughs> Which you know is probably more disappointing for the gift giver, right? <laughs> because they're like, are you kidding me? Look, he's wearing the shirt. It's in my box. He's wearing the shirt. Or this one, which is kind of a riff on that one. I left some video games at my mom's room, and she found them and assumed that my dad had bought them as Christmas gifts for me. So for Christmas, I got my own games. <laughs> That's anticlimactic for sure, uh, no doubt. However, I bet nobody here, I hope, has ever gotten this present. My sister got a bag of Kroger shredded cheese from my aunt one year. <laughs> I read that, I'm like, what went through the aunt's mind in the shredded cheese aisle? That's what I want to know. I'm like, what makes you look at shredded cheese and think of, my niece or nephew would love this, you know? Like, this is the perfect, it just makes me think of them. No idea. However, that's still better than this one, all right? I had mentioned to my uncle one year that I wished I could grow a beard like his, and come Christmas time, my uncle hands me the present he got me. I unwrap it, and what do you know? His beard in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> I'm like, that has got to be the worst idea ever. And um, if, if this doesn't do anything else for you, all the kids who are part of this gathering should, uh, just a fair warning, watch the aunts and uncles at the Christmas gathering, right? Because apparently that's where all the trouble lies. Uh, but disappointment. I mean, it's going to happen this week. Somebody is going to be disappointed about something. And some of the things we're disappointed about this Christmas make that look trivial by comparison. Because you know, maybe what you're disappointed about is the fact that somebody in your family has a serious illness that you didn't know about last year. Or you lost a loved one far too soon. That's happened a lot. Or maybe that promotion you were sure you were going to get before this year is up went to somebody else and you just cannot get your head around that. Or maybe this is the year you found out about the affair and that means next year you probably need to look forward to the divorce. Or maybe, 
Maybe it's just that gnawing feeling inside that life just isn't quite adding up the way you anticipated it was going to, and you're not quite sure what to do with that. And here's what happens at Christmas. As much as it turns up the volume on the fun and the laughter and the joy, Christmas also turns up the volume on the pain, doesn't it? Like whatever was bad, whatever was already hurting, it starts to hurt at a whole new level when we're, quote unquote, supposed to be so happy, you know? And everybody else is supposedly happy and our heart is breaking. Man, that's difficult. You know what we humans do sometimes in that situation? Here's how we handle it. When life gets hard, when life gets disappointing, when we've been the disappointment, sometimes what we decide is, am I really loved? Maybe I'm just not that lovable. I mean, maybe even God couldn't love somebody like me. And when you begin to think those kinds of questions, those are the big questions in life. And that, my friends, is what makes what I have to share with you today so very, very important to head into your Christmas week. It isn't the first time that God's people may have felt that. Years before Christmas, B.C., uh, a prophet Malachi comes along with a message for God's people. And, man, they have been going through it. The Babylonians have conquered their nation. They've taken most of them into exile where they've been for years. Their beautiful, grand, and glorious temple to God has been destroyed, leveled. Finally, a few of them are getting to go back to Jerusalem, and they're going to get to rebuild the temple, but they know it'll never be as grand and glorious as it once was, and it feels like so many of the things they've been waiting for and hoping for and just believing God was going to do, they're not happening. It looks like the promise isn't coming true. And so Malachi shows up 430 BC, before Christmas, with a message for God's people, for God. We have a copy of it. Here's, here's how his letter starts. This is the message that the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet Malachi. I've always loved you, says the Lord. Through all this hard stuff you've been going through, I've never stopped loving you. I've loved you the whole time. And the people retort, really? <laughs> I love that, really? How have you loved us? You call this love? Like, then why aren't you coming through for us? I mean, how can you say you love us whenever this is what we're living like? Are you kidding me? I mean, if this is your love, thanks anyway. You might say they probably were disappointed, a little hurt, a little anger showing up there. And I just wonder if anybody here has ever felt like that. You ever felt like, God, where are you? Where is your love? Come on, this doesn't feel at all like what I thought you were promising me. I think every human being struggles with that at times. Brennan Manning says that Christians find it easier to believe that God exists than that he loves them. What? What does that say about our ability to receive love? Here's what I know. If all that's true, that makes what the prophet Malachi shares from God so important for them, and it's still so important for us because Malachi says, guys, hold on. A sign of God's love is coming. It's coming. I'll send my messenger. He'll prepare the way before me. And then suddenly, the Lord you're seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire, he will come, says the Lord Almighty. Don't give up hope. I'm coming. I'm going to show you what my love looks like. In fact, there will be a messenger who will come along just to give you a heads up that the time is almost here, he says. Now, remember what I said? 430 years later, the birth announcement comes. Or in this case, two of them. We know an angel shows up first to an older priest named Zechariah and says, hey, your wife Elizabeth, you guys are going to have a baby. When he's born, name him John. 
And then about six months later, an angel shows up to this young woman, Mary, and says, you're, well, I'll just let the go kids tell you what the angel said to Mary. Watch. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. So what would you guys do if an angel appeared in our house? Be scared, but a little bit excited. I would drop my video game and run. If an angel appeared in my home, I would be kind of freaked out. Be excited. What would you do if an angel of God appeared in your home? Um, listen to it and hear what it has to say. Would you sit down and listen? Tell my mom and dad and um, all of us would be super happy. We got to see the angel just appeal. Oh, I love that attitude. We'd be happy we got to see an angel appear. I really love hearing from our Go Kids every week of this Advent series as they've shared with us um, scripture and stories and so forth. And this story, it's a beautiful story. Elizabeth has a boy. They name him John. He grows up to be sort of the announcer that Malachi 400 years before had said he would be. In fact, John was so amazing, people started to say, maybe he's the one. And then John went on record, said, uh-uh. I baptize you with water. There is one coming who's greater than I, and I'm not good enough to even get down and help him take off his shoes. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In other words, he was saying the same thing Malachi said 400 years earlier, Jesus is the one, Jesus is coming, it's Jesus you're looking for, it's Jesus you're longing for. And just in case you forget this, because it's easy to forget, most of us know the Christmas story, you know? And, and if we're not careful, even for God's people, it'll start to feel like a story that's just the sweet story you tell at the end of December every year to kind of close stuff out, you know? It's way more than that. It's way more than that. Jesus is what God's love looks like. He's the sign of love that was promised hundreds of years. I've always loved you. There will be a sign of my love coming. Don't give up. I promise. It's coming. As Brian Zahn says, God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There's never been a time when God was not like Jesus. We have not always known what God is like, but now we do. Amen? Because God is like Jesus. And that, my friends, brings me to the good news I get to proclaim for you today as you headed to Christmas week. Just take this in. Jesus wasn't forced to come and die to appease God's anger toward us. Jesus is what God looks like. He chose the cradle and he chose the cross to prove once and for all, you are wildly loved by God. 
Is this amazing that the God of the universe shows up as a baby in a cradle? I mean, again, we've heard the story so much, like, well, yeah, of course, that's how it worked. But if you'd never heard that before, if you had never really had your head wrapped around that, this is what it's going to look like, God in a baby cradle? Max Lucado says, God was given eyebrows and elbows and two kidneys and a spleen. He came not as a flash of light or an unapproachable conqueror, but as one whose first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter. And the hands that first held him were unmanicured and calloused and dirty. No silk, no ivory, no hype, no party, no hoopla. Mary, angels watched as Mary changed God's diaper. What? As crazy as it sounds, this is the story that we celebrate this week. This is the God we celebrate. Matthew, the tax collector, who ended up following Jesus, he he wrote that first book of the New Testament that tells one of the most beautiful versions of this story. He says, the angel also said, the virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Say that again, God with us. Yes. So listen to me. If this Christmas, based on whatever disappointment you're dealing with, whatever hurt you're facing in this world, maybe you're the disappointment you feel like to everybody else or to God. Listen, if you're struggling to feel loved, if you struggle to feel lovable, I want you to take a look at this baby in a cradle, and I want you just to remember this is what love looks like. This is God in a cradle. And he comes to be with us in the middle of our messy, broken world because he knows our hearts are heavy and he knows we're going to be disappointed. And he knows sometimes that makes it hard. And so he says, I'll come down and be with you in the mess. God with us, a literal, tangible sign of God's love, just like Malachi promised. By the way, speaking of love, Jesus grows up to love like nobody else has ever loved, doesn't he? Not before, not since. And did you know he loves without any exception? This is so remarkable to me. He loves the rich young ruler. And in the way the world operates, that's often the people we're told, hey, get close to those people. I can try to do something for you, whatever. Right? Like those are supposed to be the easy people to love. He loves that guy. He also loves the woman who got caught in adultery. Isn't that beautiful? He loves them equally as much. He loves the cheating tax collector. And he loves the little widow woman who shows up at church and puts her last penny in the offering that day. He loves one of his best friends who denies him three times on his way to the cross. And he loves the guy who stuck with him all the way and showed up at the foot of the cross. He loved them both. That's what love looks like. You talk about disappointment. Imagine being Jesus. I come as the sign of love. I love like nobody's ever seen before or ever will since. And the very people I come to love are going to reject me and kill me. What? Know why he goes through with that? Do not miss this. Love keeps its promises, my friends. Love always keeps its promises. He wasn't forced to come and die to appease God's anger toward us. Jesus is what God looks like. He chose the cradle and he chose the cross so he could prove to us once and for all, you are wildly loved by God. And if this week, as you look at that baby in a cradle and you have a hard time feeling loved or lovable, then I'm going to challenge you to look beyond that cradle and look at God on a cross. And just look at this cross and remember, this is what God looks like. Amen? This is what love looks like. And that is an incredible story. 
The Apostle Paul said, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He comes to rescue us, even knowing that his love is going to end up like that. You talk about a disappointment, that had to feel like the ultimate disappointment. You know what I'm saying? But you know what it turns out to be? The ultimate victory. Because he comes back from the dead, and he is alive in this moment and with us in this room to give us the hope Jeremiah talked about so compellingly last weekend, that love keeps its promises and love can't be killed. Love always, always there. And that is really good news. As I prepared to do a funeral the other day, I, for some reason, just started counting up how many funerals I've done in the past 18 months. And it's about one every five or six weeks on average, 13, 14 funerals. I got to tell you, that has, as much as I love helping people and loving them and being with them through that pain, it has exacted a toll on my soul to watch so many people pass away, many of them tragically, unexpectedly, far too young. That doesn't count all the other funerals where I've just gone to the visitation or something like that. It's been heartbreaking for me. I'm kind of an emotional guy, as you know, and man, my emotions feel like they're on overtime. And that's nothing compared to the people for whom I'm doing the funeral, their families and their loved ones. You know what I've had to remind myself of a lot lately? God looks exactly like Jesus, and he's with us, and he's working, and he cares about us more than we could possibly imagine. And I've taken some long, hard looks at that baby in a cradle and that Savior on a cross to remind myself, this is what love looks like. And I've had a lot of questions I've wanted answered that haven't gotten answered yet. And I've walked with a lot of people through questions they're still looking for answers to. And in all of that, there's one constant I come back to and one thing I lean on, and that is, if God looks like this, (laughs) then I'm just going to surrender to that love and trust it. In spite of the questions, in spite of the pain, I don't know a better place to go because with all my heart, I believe this is what real love looks like. Love keeps its promises. Love comes to be with us, and love will never end. And so I just got to be up for that in all the hurt and disappointment. Amen? That's been my refuge. Jesus wasn't forced to come and die to appease God's anger toward us. Jesus is what God looks like. And he chose the cradle and he chose the cross so he could prove we are wildly loved by God. And a young man who was baptized in the last gathering who has decided to surrender to that love as well, I got to sit down with him and hear just a little bit of his story I want to share with you right now. This is Rudy. Well, I am here with my friend, Rudy Jones, who is being baptized this weekend. He's been waiting for this for a while, and I thought it would be great if we could sit down for just a few minutes and uh, via the power of technology, hear a bit of his story that's led to this moment. So, uh, Rudy, I'm glad you could join me today. No problem. Thank you for having me. Oh, you bet. Hey, tell us first, uh, when did you first start to engage with the good news of Jesus? Do you remember how that got started? Um, I, I would say I, Jesus has been in my life off and on throughout my, my entire life. Um, my mom is a, a devout Christian and, uh, several of my sisters, but I kind of went more of a worldly path early in life. And then in the last decade, um, since I met my wife, Tracy, um, it became more of a consideration. And then the last, uh, year and a half, it has been a, uh, strong desire of mine to dedicate my life to Jesus. 
That's awesome. Well, I know that uh, you've been hanging out around Meadow Heights for a while, both uh, online and in person. Tell us a little bit about that. How did how did our church factor into this exploration of faith? Um, well, I started going to Meadow Heights originally when me and Tracy started dating. Um, and uh, we came for a little bit of time. We were living in Farmington and it, it, we just did the drive. Um, at some points in time there, I took some jobs that were distant away and church kind of fell off the radar. Uh, my wife started going to her father's uh, church in uh, Big Creek, uh, Al Pass Marquand. And um, then early this year, I decided that I wanted to come back to Meadow Heights. I had uh, way back in that 10 years ago, listened to a sermon that you had given that let me know that Meadow Heights was going to have the instructional style that I needed to engage better with Jesus. Um, and uh, so I started attending online early this year. Um, and then uh, kind of as the COVID thing finally started to break, decided we would uh, come into church. My wife made the decision to join me. And so now our whole family is, is there at Meadow Heights. Uh, that's wonderful, man. What a great story. We're so glad to have you. And I'm so glad we get to baptize you this weekend. So tell us uh, about that. What made you decide to be baptized this Christmas? Um, well, I had originally decided to do it over the um, over the picnic this summer, but unfortunately, COVID had other plans. Um, <laughs> so we had to push that one off a little bit. Um, I will say that the decision to give my life to Jesus was um, a willing one and yet also born out of necessity for my, for, for my salvation. Um, and so I'm, uh, I would say that I've had some trials and tribulations in my life and I finally come to terms with the fact that I cannot do it by myself. Um, I do need to give over control to a power that knows better than I. Yeah, And um, I just, this was the move that had to be made for me. Yeah, that's great, man. And uh, I, I know we were so disappointed we couldn't do this at uh, Barbecue and Baptism back in September and August, but uh, that we get to do it this Christmas is pretty special. And it's going to make, uh, it's going to make today a really special day for all of us. I know Glad we get to celebrate it with you. Thank you. <laughs> you bet. Did you notice he said, I've had some trials and tribulations? Amen to that, right? To be human is to be broken, <laughs> to at times experience brokenness, our own and other people's. And then sometimes that means we don't feel very loved, we don't feel very lovable. And that makes this good news I have for you today that much more special, my friend. In fact, I want to kind of seal the deal before we head out of here. Is there any risk of you losing God's love? Is there anything you should be afraid of to say, well, if that happened or if that's true, maybe, maybe I won't be loved? Do you think your own weakness could separate you from God's love? It can't. Say it can't. How about your own inner poverty? Could that separate you from God's love? I'm just not the person I wanted to be. Can that separate you from God? No, I can't. Let's just keep that going for a minute or two here, okay? Uh, how about if your marriage is struggling or you're anxious about your kids or you're just really lonely this Christmas? Can that separate you from God's love? Say it can't. Yeah, yeah man. 
How about a negative self-image or low self-esteem? Let's try economic hardship or racial hatred or political division. Can that separate you from God's love? How about if what you feel this week is rejection from your loved ones or you're missing some loved ones? Can that separate you from God's love? Let's get personal. How about your own mistakes and fears and uncertainties and sins? Can that separate you from God's love? You know why? Because Jesus wasn't forced to come and die to appease God's anger toward us. Jesus is what God looks like. Jesus chose that cradle and he chose that cross so he could prove once and for all, you are wildly loved by God. And nothing will take that love away from you. Nothing. In fact, I'd like to end with a blessing. I'm not the one giving the blessing. I'm just going to share it with you. But the Apostle Paul gives us this blessing, and I want to read it over you as you head into this final week of Advent as we lead up to Christmas Day. Would you stand to your feet? This coming Saturday, we will celebrate that the waiting is ended and Emmanuel has come, God, with us. And friends, if you ever feel like you're unloved or unlovable, if you ever feel that you're at risk of losing God's love, I want you to remember these words from the Apostle Paul. Let it be a blessing on your Christmas week. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. A baby in a cradle and a savior on a cross. My friend, I challenge you, if nothing else in life is right for you, Surrender to God's love and trust that a God who shows up like this must be mad about you because this is the good news of Christmas. You are a much-loved child of God. Amen? Amen. And that is the best news you've ever heard. It's the best news I know to share with you as we head into Christmas this week. You are a much-loved child of God. As Jeremiah said, we will not gather like this next week. It's a long tradition for us. We will be back in two weeks at 9 o'clock for all of you Fredericton people who got really messed up today or all of you people online who might want to come back like Rudy and try out and in person, 9 o'clock in Fredericton and 11 in Farmington. You can choose either of those, of course. And if you're a guest, we're so glad you celebrated part of Christmas week with us. And uh, we'd love to have you come back in the new year as well. Now, here's the challenge, by the way, with today's message, just a little peek. Sometimes the trouble we have is that we don't know how to give away to other people the same love we've received, right? It's like, okay, I'm kind of coming to grips with God's love for me. There are a few people I'm really struggling to love, however, okay? And if that's where you're at, then we're going to pick up the conversation there in two weeks to start January, and we're going to talk about what it would look like to have emotionally healthy relationships in 2022. Are there some skills you could actually practice that would help you do better loving and who knows how that might change and anchor your relationships in the new year as well. That's where we'll start on the next time we gather like this in two weeks. All right? 
We love you. We're so glad that you're here today. I wish for all of you a very Merry Christmas Meadow Heights and a Happy New Year. I'll see you then, okay? And right now, the getaway car outside is for me. <laughs> Gotta run. Love you. I'll catch you on the flip side, okay? <laughs>